Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Well, good morning, Arizona. It looks like the uh, sun's just getting over the top of the mountaintops here in uh, Sunny Slope. And uh, perhaps next week we're going to start, in fact, I'm sure we're going to start in the dark <laughs> before the sunrise. Anyway, happy Sunday. Welcome to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We can talk about your landscape dreams, your desires, your nightmares. Uh, you know, whatever's working well for you or not, we'd love to hear from you. Plenty of ideas, lots of styles, many different things to grow. We are in a subtropical region. That means that we can freeze sometimes. and. Also means that we had a really hot summer, but uh, maybe we can do the right dance and bring a little bit of rain. Anyway, happy Sunday morning. We could talk about what to grow, how to grow it, why to grow it, where to grow it. And the nice part about this time of year, this is really our desert spring, and we can certainly see the change this week. Beautiful in the evenings, warm in the afternoons, and uh, cool in the mornings. How much nicer could the weather possibly be? And it's a great time to plant all kinds of things. So whatever your dreams and desires, whether you're going to be growing a vegetable garden, some beautiful flowers, you want to plant some shade trees to cool things off from last summer, you want your backyard to look like a tropical or desert oasis. Desert's kind of easier, but we have a lot of plants that work in both places. And, you know, a lot of plants here really are prettier in our desert climate than they are in the tropics. Things like bougainvillea is ones that really come to mind that uh, with their brilliant color this time of year and that can last right through the holiday season, uh, probably as spectacular as anywhere in the world. Anyway, whatever your dreams are, whether you want to grow plants from our Sonoran Desert to tropics or maybe you want to grow some citrus or stone fruits, lots of things to grow. One of the few places in the world we can grow really good dates. You know, if you want to have your own date palm tree and if you like harvesting and eating dates this time of year when they're fresh and delicious, um, no reason for you not to grow your own date at home. Anyway, whatever your dreams are, give us a call, 602-277-5827. We have the lovely Shira here on phones and music. She's bright-eyed and smiling and ready to go. And uh, she'll kind of guide us through. So just give her a call. Give her a little attention. Everybody needs a little love. Number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. We start off with wide open phones. We get to the end of the show. It gets a little tricky to get in. So if you're paying attention early, call now. And we'd love to hear from you. Doug in Phoenix, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Hello, Douglas. Lovely day. It's pretty outside. Yeah, I very much enjoy this uh, cooler weather in the mornings. I've got a, I think you call it a spineless prickly pear. Mm -hmm. It's a cactus kind of tree. Sure. Um, it's probably 15 feet tall. Uh, I love it. I I actually grow a couple of them because I harvest the fruit off of them. Oh, they're wonderful. Um, but this particular one has uh, uh, was having a problem. It seemed like, like the pads or leaves or whatever you call those things um, uh, were getting like big black spots on them. And I thought maybe there was some sort of... Uh, uh, infestation or something like that. Well, Doug, it might have been a little fungus, but they were weakened, uh, you know, by the heat this summer. You know, 
okay. Even a Punta Cactus aren't accustomed to being 115 every day and some days up to 120. And, um, uh, you know, so they stressed. And some of the pads on those may fail, and you might have to prune it back some. But the nice parts, they should recover. You know, it's not like hanging in a big saguaro that's a single plant like that. The All the Apunta species, but, you know, the spineless prickly pears, which are really fun to grow and make a beautiful statement. Um, you might have to prune some back if it's really damaged, but the nice parts will grow back fairly quickly. So that's what I did. Um, and and I did it uh, the beginning of the season before it started really getting hot. Mm-hmm. I noticed the new leaves, uh, pads that were coming out had it also. So I kind of went after it uh, pruning-wise. And that's the nature of my question now is um, um, I really went after it. Uh, so I cut off hoping to save the tree probably down to about, uh, I'd say about a six inch, seven inch um, branch, just chopped it all the way down to about that. And then of course, with, as it started to dry out, I did that probably the first of August, um, that center part, the the water comes up through, Mm -hmm. uh, of course, dried up and I could see water inside of it down there and that hole was big enough I can stick my thumb all the way down into it. So I was wondering, like I know when you do some serious pruning on a tree that you can coat it or put something like that in it. Uh, uh, yeah, the cactus, the cactus, and the you know, especially with the saguaros around town, are different. I haven't really noticed the apuntas, you know, failing like that. But you could try um, some Monterey disease control, which is basically a bacteria that eats fungus. Because usually, it's it's you know, what happened to a lot of them was just the nighttime temperatures they couldn't rest. And there's a lot of theories, but I haven't heard anyone really with a good solution on how to save the saguaros. And it sounds like your cactus is you know failing much in the same manner. Um, so it might have been better to save some of those pads and replanted them um, that were still healthy. But I guess you're just going to have to wait and see what it does. You could certainly, though, try uh, two things that are pretty good at, at killing bacteria and funguses. One thing for bacteria, sulfur is pretty good in case it's a bacterial problem. And the other is, you know, you know the, the, basically the Monterey disease control is a bacteria that eats fungus. So I'm not exactly sure what your problem is. Um, and, oh, I'm I'm sorry. What, um so this, and I cut it back to about like the the stalk or whatever that is, mm-hmm. about six inches. I've probably got another eight of them on it, so they're okay. all fine. That are healthy. This okay. One. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I would when just, I cut it back, I would just prune it back. I would just prune all that off. I would prune off all all the all the parts that's infected and dying because some of these things can be systemic and go through the plant. So wherever you see bad infected, you know, portions of the plant, uh, I would probably just remove more of that. And I and I did do that. Uh, the part that's remaining now, the six inch uh, limb, um, is just drying up, and that's what I was saying. Is there's water inside, and I thought, do I like put some sort of a little cast over it or something like well, that? Well, no, I would. You know, it's like any you know wound or infection or anything. You're probably better off leaving exposed to the air, but. Like okay. I say, the, the things that I could think of you could put on it that might arrest the problem, because I'm not sure if it's a fungus or a bacteria, would be either to use a powdered sulfur if you got it cut open, okay? And that that's pretty good at killing bacteria. And if you think it's a fungus, then I would use, like, the Monterey disease control. Uh, okay, yeah. When I cut off, it's all, it's nothing, I, I, I eliminate all of, let's say, with disease. Um, okay, I eliminate well, all, all that. All that's the moisture, yeah. all that part of it, anything looks infected, I would just, yeah, but as long as that's taken away, then let it dry up and callous on its own. I wouldn't try to seal it. 
Oh, okay. Very good. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Doug. Right, bye. Yeah, it's kind of like healing from the, you know, the, you can't heal, we can't seal up our wounds and on the outside and still have uh, an infection on the inside. So leaving it open is probably the healthiest. Well, we have wide open phones, folks. The number to call 602-277-5827-277. KTAR, uh, sure is going to feel like you don't love her unless you give her a call. I can just see that smile on her face. But anyway, uh, yeah, give us a call and uh, we're going to take a short break. And while we're gone, we like to say we have wide open phones. Perfect time to call. We can talk about anything you want to grow, water, plant, fertilizer, kill. Or if you have suggestions and ideas on how to help these problems, we'd love to hear from you and your ideas as well. You know, as a common people with lots of different ideas and lots of diverse life experiences, our common knowledge is pretty, pretty spectacular. So we always welcome you to add your ideas and thoughts in this program. Number to call once more, 602-277-5827. We'll be right back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We're here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM KTAR. We're all misunderstood. The same is done for nothing. And there's no way we ever could. Now we see everything that's going wrong with the world and those who lead it. We just feel like we don't have the means to rise above and beat it. So we keep on waiting. Yeah. Waiting on the world to change. We keep on waiting. Yeah. Waiting on the world to change. System, when we're standing at a distance, so we keep on waiting, yeah, waiting on the world to change. Now, if we had the power to bring our neighbors home from war, they would have never missed a Christmas, no more ribbons on the door. And when you trust your television, what you get is what you got. Cause when they own the information, oh, they can bend it all they want. That's why we're waiting, yeah, waiting on the world to change. We keep on waiting, yeah, waiting on the world to change. Well, welcome back, folks. Uh, beautiful Sunday morning out there. We still have two lines available. Number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Claudia in Phoenix. Good morning, Claudia. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm calling with a question about plumeria. I have five really large, I would consider them trees, of plumeria along my back patio, and they had a really hard time this last winter, um, given the cold, and they've recovered. Didn't really bloom the way that they normally do in, in the summertime, but I'm just wondering what I can do this winter to help protect them a little more. So, Claudia, you have them all planted in the ground, it sounds like, huh? Yeah, yeah. I bought the house. I didn't know what they were for about a year or two, <laughs> and I found out they're plumeria, and they're beautiful, and they, they just kind of did their own thing until this last winter, and I was like, whoa, they're really having a hard time, and so I just want to try to protect them as much as I can. Well, typically in the winter, they're going to go dormant and lose all their foliage. Okay. Yep. So most of them are going to be deciduous and then they're going to pop back in the spring. But, you know, as you've discovered, the biggest uh, hurtful, harmful thing, they don't care if it's 120. They just don't like to be 20. And so they need frost protection. Um, you know, a lot of times people grow them in containers and put them under a patio and just let them go to sleep for the winter and then move them back out to the sun. But yours don't sound quite that mobile. So while they have to stay and fend for themselves, you'll probably want to protect them uh, with some 
uh, frost cloth. But I'll tell you something else that can work on there. There's a product called Wilt Proof or Frost Guard. And basically, they'll seal up the plant and they'll give it about three or four degrees protection. So after they drop their foliage, uh, if you'd want to spray that on the on right on the stems of the plant, it just seals them. Okay. And it'll give them about three to four degrees frost protection. And it's not a bad way to go. But it might get so cold that they need more than that. But just to give them that little extra buffer, it would be something that would be worth using. So cloud cover or frost guard, uh, either one of those products. You probably won't find them very available yet, but by the 1st of December, they should be available in nurseries, and we should have it around town. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Claudia. The other big key is, is don't keep them wet in the wintertime. They want to be very dry. Okay, I'll turn off the irrigation on them now. Yeah, yeah, turn off the irrigation, and then if it's really cold, frost cloth with a light bulb inside and suspend it up on some wood stakes so it's not in contact with the stems will give you the most protection. You can get 15 degrees that way. Wonderful. Thanks, Claudia. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Uh, Bob in Phoenix. Good morning, Bob. Hey, good morning, Brian. I I got a, um, a gardenia on the north side of the house that I've, I bought the house 22 years ago, and it's been a wonderful friend. But um, I've got to confess that we went uh, camping over the hot summer uh, for 22 days with my two little kids, and my wife called it endurance camping. (laughs) When we got back home, uh, I noticed the gardenia was neglectful, and it wasn't long before the plant police showed up and tried to arrest me. But I agreed for probation. Part of my probation is talking to you about... Uh, helping me with my gardenia, and I started adding uh, coffee grounds, And uh, but I want to know how much is uh, too much because I'm afraid they're going to come back and take me away, take the plant away. And well, I just you, you, really, you really can't have too much coffee grounds. You know, what we're doing by okay. using coffee, I mean, there, there, of everything you have for you, and probably some point you could, but what it does is drops the pH down. And our water, especially in the summertime, has a pH that's, you know, well over eight. And if you keep them down to close to neutral, uh, seven, then gardenias are going to be much happier. So don't worry about that. Have you fed it in addition to the coffee grounds at all? Uh, uh, a little blood meal, but okay. I'm, uh, uh, but I just don't want to lose it. And, you know, I've got some irises around it and I'm wondering if they're going to get, if it's too much, uh, coffee grounds for them. And no, it, anyway, it be. but it, it, is the foliage coming back at all? Or what's, what's it looking like now, Bob? It's looking really beautiful. To be honest, the leaves are getting larger, a little more waxier looking, but it's one of those gardenias, Brian, and you've told me in the past, it's one of those that uh, only blooms like once a year. So yeah, comes so it's a, it's a mystery of, gardenia, probably. Oh, there you go. There, mystery gardenia. But anyway, I just, you know, I felt so bad because such a beautiful plant, a beautiful aroma, and I just hate to lose it. Well, you didn't want to take it camping with you. It would have been too much to carry it around. So I'm, I'm glad you left it at home. And um, <laughs> right. I, 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 think, right. I think you've done a magnificent job helping it recover. But really, when we're adding things, especially in a, in a mild form like coffee grounds to mediate our soil and drop our pH, it's pretty hard, almost impossible to put too much on. Okay, and so and and also I read where I should probably kind of rake them into the soil a bit, not just leave them on top. They'll clump up or something. Get well, hard. if your water's going through them, that that acid from the coffee grounds is actually leaching into the soil, so that's fine. However, depends if, as long as you have water on top of the coffee grounds, it'll be fine. You can rake them in; it'll build up in the soil. But you know, it um, is not. We're not really looking for the organic plus. What we're really looking for is the pH change. 
okay, well, this is going to really help me with my probation. The <laughs> this is being recorded for future use. Well, it sounds but like anyway. it was quite a fun summer. So uh, glad, glad you got out of here, Bob. And, and even though the gardenia had to stay, I'm sure it's going to recover. Have, have a nice weekend. Good morning, Brian. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Gordon in North Mesa. Good morning, Gordon. Oh, good morning. Uh, yeah, I just uh, talked to you about my uh, peach tree. It's uh, looking great. Uh, <laughs> leaves are really green and haven't started to turn hardly at all. And I'm just wondering, uh, when should I expect them to start falling off? Well, you know, really, uh, peaches and, you know, most of the stone fruits can grow and still be pretty happy, um, especially now that they're coming back after having that miserable summer. They're going, wow, this has been pretty nice the last few weeks, you know, and they love 100 degrees and 70, but they'll just be fine with this temperature as well. They won't really start to change color until the nighttime temperatures drop below around 40. Okay, and uh, when the leaves are all off, is that when I trim it back? That's or? the best time if you want to prune it. You know, and, and commercially, like over in California where they grow lots and lots of peach orchards, you know, they're pruned back to about 10 feet, and the branches are grown out more horizontal. It won't make the tree any prettier, but it'll certainly make it easier to harvest fruit, get a lot easier crop, and that way that you'll have bigger, less fruit, a better quality. Okay, well, uh, wait till... January or <laughs> yeah, usually January. Well, well, and here with like peaches, I mean, sometimes they'll lose their leaves the first week of January and the fifteenth will be in bud. You know, so you know our winters can be pretty variable, and uh, we usually, if we're going to get any hard weather, it's usually our coldest weather here is you know somewhere from Christmas till past New Year's. But um, you know, we could freeze all the way till till basically Valentine's Day. But um, no, that's oftentimes they'll lose all their leaves. You know, somewhere there mid December and be in bloom by the middle of winter. January. Okay. Well, we'll wait and do it later then. Thank you. Thanks, Gordon. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we've got uh, Tim and Chandler. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Brian. Thanks for the call. Uh, taking the call. Two quick questions. A follow-up on two callers before on the coffee grounds, mm-hmm. not being a coffee drinker. What is the substitute that would drop the pH? Well, you could do it with vinegar. You know, any form of acid will work. But I'll tell you what, if you if you go like places like Circle K and Starbucks, sometimes they'll just save you coffee grounds too. So you don't have you don't you don't have to be the coffee drinker yourself. But you know, the, anything that we do basically to moderate our our, our soil is going to help it. Uh, the one other thing that we can use ingredient wise is soil sulfur, and that can help maintain a lower pH. And if you have something you really want to change it on quickly, we have a product called Alkalichi that has some uh, iron and also fertilizer and is very acidic, and it works very well. Sounds like that'd be a triple threat. That'd be a good one. <laughs> well, whichever you like, but you know, everything does like water. You know, let's be a little less salty than here's the desert. And what's nice is like last year when we had all the rains, we used a lot more uh, lake water, and our lake water typically has a pH, especially coming off the Verde system, that's well below our eight standard. So we could have water coming in as nice as seven, you know, which is a neutral pH, which is really good. Terrific info. Thank you. Thanks, the Tim. second one, the quick one, was dead uh, wood on your trees right now, jacarandas and ash specifically. 
Well, if, 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 it's, if, it's, if, if it's bugging you and you want to clean it up, go ahead and do it right now. There is one big advantage to pruning earlier rather than later is it's easier to see what's actually dead now and uh, what's viable and coming back. I would probably, you know, kind of let the things go another month or so. And that time, the ashes will probably refoliate and really fill back in. But before they actually go dormant, it might be easier if you've got substantial dead wood to remove it before they go completely dormant. Yep, this summer was brutal. So, yeah, good. Thanks for the info. Thanks, Tim. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we have Shane and Mason. Then we've got three open lines. The number to call is 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Good morning, Shane. Yeah, good morning. Um, I've got two irrigation lines. I've got a, a line that runs to my trees, uh, drip lines, and one that runs to my bushes. And today, I'm going to be planting two small segos, like a gallon, maybe two-gallon pot. Uh-huh. Should I run them to, like, the tree line or to my bush line? Sagos are pretty amazing, and they really don't care, Shane, of, of all plants, you know, with maturity. Sagos are pretty special. But um, you know, so how, how often do you run your shrub line? Um, during the summer, about twice a week, okay. and then taper it off, you know, heat of summer. And then trees about once a week during heat of summer. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, I, I just run on whichever line's most convenient. You know, sago okay. palms are one of the most amazing plants. We had one at our home that we were, you know, years ago when I used to do TV stuff, where I was shooting a little segment over there, and I brought a sago home and put by the pool and just sat it there in a three-gallon pot, probably the size you're looking at planting today. And... We never installed any irrigation. It got lots of kids splashed because we had young children whenever the tree was first put there. And that tree is the most magnificent sago you've ever seen with, you know, just no care at all. So they're, they were really hardy. So whichever system's easier, they'll work fine on either one. Perfect. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, Shane. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have Margaret and Sun Lakes. But after Margaret, it's wide open. We don't want it. No, Miss Shearer to feel left out. Give her a call, 602-277-5827. Good morning, Margaret. Hey, good morning. Uh, yesterday, I heard from Rosie on the house. They said if you eat tomato, you like it, you keep the seed, and then you you can grow it. Is that true? How do you do that? On a lot of varieties of tomatoes, some are open pollinated, and they'll very much work like that way. So you could grow like Pearson's or Early Girl or, or all the cherry varieties. Uh, you can save your own seed and plant them. It's no problem. So, oh, just to eat them and then leave the seed well, you, inside. You, you, don't, you don't have to eat them first. You could just take one tomato and go out and just, you know, dry it up, you know, make it like a sun-dried tomato, let it sit on the counter and ripen. And then when it gets dehydrated, just cut it and take the seeds out. You don't have to eat it first. Oh, okay. Okay. But if you just want to eat it first, down. it's fine, but we're not going to talk about the process beyond that. <laughs> and, and, and put in the dirt, right? And in the yeah. pot or something. Well, you can plant the grow. seeds. But yeah, now if you're going to plant tomatoes from seeds, it's kind of early right now. We would normally, oh. if we're going to plant tomatoes and seeds as transplants, we would do them the 1st of January indoors and then transplant oh, okay. the, the plants outdoors like the first part of February. Okay. Thank but you. No problem, Margaret. Thank you. Bye bye. Huh? Uh, Sharon in Phoenix. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning, um, Brian. I'm calling because I wanted to ask about a jacaranda tree. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine has one, and what happened is during the summer, they weren't away for a month before they left. It was 
beautiful and flowering and whatnot and came back and it was like half dead and he's cut it back some and now what he has is a main trunk that's got nothing on it and a branch <laughs> and that's all that's left of that tree and the green grass grows all around all around or is it in rock it's in grass. Okay. So, you know, one, one year, years ago, um, when we had our first planted our farm down in Stanfield, we had a big section of jacarandas and went just the opposite of being the heat. It was the cold and they all froze. And we came back and we cut those trees off in the spring to about 18 inches. And they grew into the most beautiful multi-trunk form trees that we were able to sell for the next 10 years that we've ever had. So you can prune it back however you want to. If they just leaves the one big trunk, What's likely to happen is that big trunk will sunburn. So what I would do is just leave it for now, okay? And then in the spring, in about April, 1st of April, I just cut the whole thing back really short and let it come back out and generate new branches. It'll come back and balance and make a beautiful tree. And because okay. it's got a large established root system, it'll come back very quickly. But the real time to prune it like that's March. And then when he makes the big cut on top, or she, uh, seal the cutoff with the black tree tar kind of product, okay? But for, okay. for now, just leave it. Okay. Thank so you. In, in, in April or March? Well, in, in the March, 1st of April, somewhere right around there, when it starts to warm up in the spring. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. And Mr. Troy Barrett's in the studio, so we're going to find out what's happening. Then we'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, you can give Shira a call at 602-277-5827-277-KTAR. Give us your tired and weak And we will make them strong Bring us your far-on songs And we will sing along Leave us your broken dreams We'll give them time to mend There's still a lot of love Living in the promised land Shifting sand and room for everyone. Living in the promised land. So they came from a distant eye. Nameless woman, faithless child, like a bad dream. Until there was no room at all, no place to run. No place to fall Give us your daily bread We have no shoes to wear No place to call our Only this cross to bear We are the multitudes Lend us a helping hand Is there no love Living in the promised land. Well, welcome back, folks. Beautiful uh, morning out here in the valley. We do have a couple lines available. You can give Shira a call at 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Amy in Phoenix, good morning. Hello? Hi, Amy. Oh, hi. Oh, I have a two-part question. I apologize if other people have asked this. 
So my grapefruit tree got scorched, and I have some dead limbs. So I was wondering if I should cut those now or wait. And then my second part, is there any way to prevent that from happening next summer? Uh, you could dig up your grape, grapefruit tree and you could take it, um, you know, over to Italy and put it like on a nice <laughs> beach, you know, and, and you can hang out with it over there. Actually, you could take it over to like Fallbrook, California, and I'm sure it's not going to burn. But, you know, grapefruits will burn more than other citrus trees do here. Um, there are products you could put on those, though, if you wanted to. Uh, there's sprays you can spray on the foliage. It's kind of white, reflects the heat, and uh, it is used fairly commonly in the desert, more over in Coachella, California than here in commercial orchards. So that can help it. But to really answer your question, and really the most important thing now, is you can go ahead and prune out the deadwood, uh, seal up any of the big branches. If you're taking out branches like four or five or six inches, go ahead and seal those on the ends. And have you fertilized it recently? No, not recently. Okay, so what we want to do next year is to really get it. Yeah, you could fertilize it right now with, like, citrus food, and it's got about another month to grow, and it wouldn't be a bad idea because that might have it throw some new buds to protect itself. But this time of year when the days are short and the heat is low, um, you know, they've got a chance to bud out and recover. Commercially, what we do is we do most of the major pruning on our citrus orchards after the fruit. So we're usually pruning about on grapefruit like in March, but... It wouldn't hurt it to prune it right now if it's bothering you. And if you're going to expose a whole lot of wood to the sun, I would paint it with, like, the tree trunk paint. And it doesn't have to be white. There's a brown one you can get as well. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, so, So for next summer, Amy, what you really want to do is make sure it's really deep watered at least once every two weeks going into the heat and fertilized. And for it to come back next year, just go ahead and start feeding it once a month starting on Valentine's Day. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Amy. Bye-bye. Uh, John and PV. Good morning, John. Good morning, Brian. I hope you're having as good a morning as I am. I have a question about my Hercules aloe I bought from you guys. Um, it's about going on two years old, a little less than two years old. And the first year, no problem. Great. It, you know, obviously, being in a rock yard, it, it kind of suffered a little bit. But this summer, obviously, with the heat from... Uh, terrible heat uh we ended up uh basically i ended up over watering it and uh i went into your place and they basically the 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 trunk at the bottom was rotting a little bit so they said cut back on the watering so i cut back on the watering treated it for grubs just in case it was grubs and then i realized it was like kind of you know the 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 foliage at the top was kind of falling out so then i treated it with copper sulfate for um uh Fungus, bacteria, yeah. I guess, uh-huh. yeah, fungus, and it's 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 happy. I mean, it's not dying anymore, and, and but it still looks like like terrible. But the thing that concerns me is the leaves used to be like really thick and full with, uh-huh. but since I've cut back on the watering, they're kind of like thinner and kind of drooping a little bit. What do I do? Well, John, <laughs> I don't want so, this so thing you, to die. So you have it planted in the ground or in a container? It's in the ground. You guys came out and did it. Yeah, okay. it's a huge. It's, so, it's like over five feet tall. So in the ground this time of year, it's going to be fairly dormant. You know, it's it's really okay. just about right. finished growing for the year. So if you're watering it right now, once every three or four weeks is probably plenty. And it's not okay. going to change much no matter what you do. But in the okay. spring, okay, we're talking March when, mm-hmm. the, when the weather is just going the opposite direction. Days are getting longer. If you go ahead and fertilize it then, and if your okay. soil is real rocky, you can water it once a week in yeah, the, the summer. Yeah, so, you know, go, okay. to, go to a weekly watering, and uh, it should come and, and fill back in. Yeah, see, the problem that developed when I went from weekly, which you guys told us to do when we first started, to uh, twice a week, because obviously if I was thirsty, 
my tree was thirsty and, and poor Kevin <laughs> did not like that much water. Well, it's, it's kind of tricky on plants, and it's, it's, it's kind of really hard to know, too. I mean, some things like a mesquite, you can't overwater. But a lot of succulents and thicker plants like that uh, you know, have natural retention. They come from South Africa, and uh, they, they really love our weather here, except for when it's over 110. Yeah. Well, I read. I also read that you could take the, the, the trimmings and, and regrow those. Is that true? Uh, from like cuttings, the, I've the never plant. grown. Well, yeah. actually, I have a good friend Eric Faringer who had plants experimental who grew them from tissue culture and grows them from tissue culture. Yeah. So we're playing with some new aloes that they're doing from South uh, Africa. Uh, he's recently moved back to the U.S. He's Professor Eric, but uh, he's growing some other you know aloes very similar to Hercules that we're going to be playing with. But you know, this was a rough summer. I mean, it just is unprecedented. Uh, yeah. It's hot. Now, my plan for next summer is it's in it's in a gravel yard. Would it be better to put like some type of like cloth covering around the base of it or to put when we first got it, we had a shade that kept it from getting direct sunlight you know, well, on it. You know, it, be, it should be pretty acclimated, you know, being there that long and going through this yeah. spring and, you know, so it should come back out and recover pretty well. And it just, uh-huh. if, if we have the unprecedented weather, that's when it needs a shade. I mean, other than that, it shouldn't, but, um, awesome. you know, this past year, 40 days plus, and many of them oh, are 115. That's a little rough. I know. I know. I appreciate it. Hey, you guys do a great job. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see next up. We got to get right over. We got Tony and Chandler. Hi, Tony. Hey, uh, Tony and Chandler. Uh, nice to see you, Brian. Brian uh, in Phoenix. Question. How are you, Tony? Actually, we like to call it Sunny Slope. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, question. Big box store, uh, you know, with all the Christmas uh, gear coming in, uh, unfortunately, early. Uh, I was over there to buy some seeds, but they've moved all the seeds outside. Uh, they're sitting in full sun in the heat, and, of course, they're in, in a, a container, so the, the light's not an issue. But I'm curious about the heat. Uh, what does that do to our... Uh, well, th- our this time of year, Tony, it really shouldn't hurt anything. I mean, when we're storing seeds, you know, for our own production, um, it depends on what they are. So a lot of them we keep in the refrigerator because we might keep them for two or three years. But as long as they're, you know, in sealed packages and most of the packages are paper, so really shouldn't have any effect or problem with them at all. Oh, terrific. Okay. All right. I was concerned. I just, uh, I was listening yesterday to... Uh, the, the, the seeds, and I was concerned that um, that could be a problem. So that's the only question I had. Yeah, not not in you know not in the short term. You know what we do sometimes at the nursery when we have seeds that go out of date. You know in the packages, uh, we'll take those and grow them in little six packs in different containers for you know for to sell the plants because we can't sell the seed when they're out of date, and uh, it okay. works pretty well. But just a quick you know reference: a friend of mine dug up a a big pot of seeds uh, that was underground here uh-huh. for five hundred years here in the valley. And, and they germinate. So, you know, and there's, oh, seeds, there's seeds over in the Middle East that they've had that are two and 3,000, like yeast and different things, two or 3,000 years and more old that have so been viable. So seeds are pretty amazing. And, you know, just the, the factor of life and everything wanting to live, it's, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for the great information. I appreciate it. Have a nice weekend, Tony. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have a line available. Ms. Shear is here on the phones and music. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Feel so good and I feel so bad.
Beautiful morning out there. Want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees. Started with my grandparents back in the 40s, continuing today for four generations. If you need trees, any kind, any size, delivered and planned, guaranteed if you like, you can take them home and plant them. Come out and see us from citrus trees and 15 gallons and larger to beautiful shade trees like the ashes and elms and pistachios. Of course, we've got the ficus trees and the the, the desert favorites like ironwoods and uh, American mesquites and palaverdes and palabreas. And if you want that tropic look at home, or if maybe you want to grow your own dates, we grow all kinds of palm trees. We're Arizona's largest retail grower of palm trees, from date palms to Mexican fans to mules to canaries. Whatever your dreams are, come in and see us at Whitfield's. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue. We're in the East Valley at... Uh, yeah, Cooper and Guadalupe. Yeah, that's the same as Stapling Guadalupe. Or 26470 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, just straight south of Sky Harbor Airport. Great time of year for color. If you're looking for color for the holiday season, you know, you can even have stuff to have for your Halloween party. Or you can have some uh, beautiful plants for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and uh, beyond. Whitfield Nursery for four generations growing plants here in Arizona for Arizona's future. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Janet and Goodyear. Hi, Janet. Good morning. How are you today? Enjoying the morning. Yes, it's beautiful out here. Um, we just replanted our pygmy palms that we lost over the summer. So, and and uh, we're new to Arizona, so uh, uh, we educated ourselves on how to treat the soil, and we did did a good job. And so now I want to keep them alive and beautiful and green. So um, the uh, the hole when we opened it up had uh, quite a bit of water in it. Um, so apparently it didn't drain well. So, and I probably overwatered it because I didn't know. And um, so I want to make sure, I don't know how often I should water it now. Um, the soil is pretty moist right now when we put them in. So well, moving forward. Jan and on new ones, okay, you plant them this time of year. Let's water them twice a week, no more often than that. What size did you plant? Um, oh, they were in a smaller little container. Like, like 18 um, inches tall? Yeah. Okay, so probably a three-gallon. So those are going to want to be watered twice a week, okay? And okay. you can keep that up until uh, mid-December. Then you could go to once a week. They can be frost tender, so if we're going to have a hard freeze, you might want to cover them with some frost cloth. Okay. Because they can burn. 
And then, you know, when they get rooted out in the spring, you can stay at twice a week if you want to for the first summer, or you could go to once a week, which would probably be fine. So I would probably cut them back mid-December to once a week, no more often than that, and leave them on that cycle for the summer. In the summertime, you want to increase the amount of water you put on them, but not the frequency. So you want them to be able to perk and drain and not stay wet all the time. Even though they come from Laos, they like to get, you know, they don't want to stand in water. Right, right. I, I wouldn't either. So. Okay. All right. All right. Thank well, you. Have take a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, Winnie or no, Vinny in Phoenix. Hi, Vinny. Hi. No, this is Denny. Oh, Denny. Okay. Denny, Vinny, Brian. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm good by you. I'm good by anything, Brian. <laughs> hey, I really appreciate your show. I try to catch it as often as I can, and I missed it a few times this summer, and maybe you talked about this already. I live out in uh, North Phoenix up by Anthem. I have a small desert garden uh, in the backyard uh, with a variety of uh, prickly pear cactus and fence post cactus, and I have one saguaro up there that's about 12 feet high. My concern was through the summer was that with the drought and the heat we've had, I took a one of those fan sprinklers uh, that oscillate back and forth, and I set it straight up in the air and basically uh, showered those cactus about once a month for a couple hours. Uh, and my concern is with all the swirls that I see dropping uh, because of the dryness and the heat, uh, I'm wondering if I need to keep that up or if I was wrong in doing that. Uh, what are your recommendations well, actually, in trying to keep actually, that? Actually, uh, Danny, watered it once, you know, once every couple of weeks or once a month in the summertime like that's very helpful. And especially okay. because uh, saguaros are shallow-rooted. And in fact, it might even have helped it a couple nights to cool off. The one advantage you have is you're kind of on the outskirts of the valley. And, you know, right. we've, we've developed such a heat island here now that interior in Phoenix, especially, we've had a lot of swirls burn up. But if you right. look around the desert, they're not doing too bad. You know, and uh, yes, the difference correct, is, is yeah. the nighttime temperatures drop a lot more when you get away from the, the density of construction and the heat islands and the street and the asphalt and all those kind of things. So I think uh-huh. you've done very well. And uh, now is not really a time to have to water it anymore. This is a natural time when our rains come in the winter that the swaros do swell and they do pick up our winter rains. And if we don't have any rains by, you know, by Christmas, I would go ahead and water them again. Okay. Well, I thank you very much. Uh, hopefully I haven't uh, damaged anything then. No, I think everything you did was just well in order and probably very beneficial, Benny. Okay. I really appreciate that, Brian. And thank you very much for your help. Thanks, Denny. Bye-bye. Uh, Richard Phoenix, good morning. Hey, good morning, Brian. Uh, listen, I planted my uh, rye seed lawn, and I used uh, 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 about 200 pounds on 5,000 square feet. It came up. It looked beautiful. I talked to you yesterday, and you said just skim the top, which I did. Okay. Now, I want to redo my watering schedule. How often should I water it? Well, it's going to depend, uh, you know, somewhat on your soil, but if it's brand new and if you've been like the three time a day water cycle, you know, what you'd want to do now is probably go to cut it back to maybe every other day. Okay. But we don't need to put as much water on like Bermuda grass because it's not as deep rooted or as long lived. So what we want to do is put on about a half inch of water. 
Okay, so you might be combining. I don't know how long were you running your cycles? Like two minutes or three minutes when you're germinating? Yeah, I was running three minutes four times a day. Yeah, so what I would do is just cut the whole thing down, put something out there so you could just capture it, see about how much water you're putting on. But you don't need to put on more than a half an inch at a time. Okay, and then probably for frequency, probably every other every third day. Every third day, okay. And then in terms of feeding it, how often? Well, it likes to eat. You know, ryegrass will really respond. And, and like the 21714 fertilizers that you buy, those are made with partially ammonium nitrate. And ammonium nitrate releases best in the wintertime. And unfortunately, because of crazy people, we can't sell ammonium nitrate anymore. So those blended ones are the best. And, you know, if you want it to be its best, probably about every six weeks. Six weeks. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. Um, where does the this, this seed come from, the rye seed? Most of it's grown in Oregon. Oregon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this year it got really expensive, and that's why I was trying, just trying well, to search. It, it, was other... ac- it was actually cheaper this year than last. Yeah, you're right. Because when I buy it, that's what he said. Yeah. Okay. That's... All right. Thank you very much. I'm the guy that calls you with the snail problem in San Diego, and I've told more people about your story of feeding them beer, and they just they get a chuckle out of that. So, Well, people like to party. Yeah. All right. Thank you. So do snails. Bye-bye. Yeah, boy. Uh, uh, Kara in Phoenix. Good morning, Kara. Good morning. How are you? I'm Fabulous. I'm so excited to talk to you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've been listening to you forever, it seems like. Um, Two things real quick. You were talking earlier uh, with somebody about the uh, Hercules aloe tree. Mm -hmm. I have a couple of them. And one, when it was really windy, my umbrella fell and knocked off one of the arms. I just let it dry. I put some of that um, growth hormone stuff on it, put it in a pot, and it's growing fine. It's been in a pot for two years now. Yeah, aloes from cuttings are, you know, typically pretty easy. Yeah, I was surprised. Uh, I wasn't sure. But anyway, um, I have a papaya and it's growing. It was growing really well. This summer was really hard on it. Um, But I did get two fruit this year, our first fruit. And now the leaves are really small. I'm assuming because it's just been hot and I did have a shade over it. Um, I just... Is there anything special I should do for it now just to kind of help it get through the winter? Well, that's what we really have to do is we have to really watch winters now, you know, because that's that's the the death of papayas. They actually take the heat pretty darn well, but the the winters are tough. So you're just going to have to be prepared to protect it. And uh, the best thing to do to protect it would be have put like four stakes around it and put a piece of frost cloth that wouldn't rest on the plant, but be draped up over the top. And right. uh, and cover it that way. And we don't need to, but if it's down, you know, even when they say it's going to be 35, I would start protecting a papaya because you never know. It could dip that extra four or five degrees and kill it. Okay. What did you say to put around the bottom of it? Well, what I would do is put in four steaks. Okay. So we have our nice little fat papaya and they're getting big enough and they get papayas and they're way cool. And, you know, we didn't used to have papayas like that here, but we've had such mild temperatures that there's some fun papayas in the, in the valley. And uh, so mm-hmm. what you want to do is put up four steaks, you know, so we got like this frame that's around it. And then you can oh, just take oh, it I, I and it. then run strings over the top of that. Okay. So right. that we're going to suspend the frost cloth off the top of the papaya. We don't want it to rest on the leaves because right. Comes in contact, it'll get frost damage. So just protect it. Right. And if it's going to get real cold, throw a light bulb in there. Right. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much. Have fun. Okay. Bye. 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 Uh, let's see. Next, we've got Philip in Phoenix. Hello, Philip. Hello. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I live central in the Biltmore area. 
I'm calling about a tree in my front yard. I suspect that it was planted by the original developers about 40 years ago. And it's not my favorite plant, but it's the one and only tree that I have. And it's displaying some, I suspect, um, stress maybe of the heat or maybe it's more serious. I would say 15 or 20 percent of the branches are now dead. The leaves have turned brown. Wish I could tell you the name of this tree. It's well, I'll tell, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what we're going to do, Philip. I've got to take a hard break yeah. here right now. Okay. So I'm going to take you uh, off the air. We're going to figure out what this tree is, okay? So just hold on. We'll Let be We'll be right back after this break with the Whitfield Nursery. In the meantime, garden show. In the meantime, you can give Shira a call at 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. And we've got a couple more lines available on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show.